Thank you, Deb. Well, it's interesting that I turn in all my sermon stuff on Thursday. And so obviously, before uh, yesterday morning happened, the title of the sermon and the sermon itself were complete. You only live twice is the title of the sermon. The... uh, very popular phrase that you hear today and that you perhaps say is that you only live once. YOLO, it is said. If you were to trace the roots of that, at least to what made it popular, you would discover a rather, not rather, you would discover a disgusting rap song. And this disgusting rap song in which this phrase was popularized advocates doing anything you want with anyone you want any way you want to do it. After all, you only live once. And since you only live once, then do whatever it is that you want to do because you live And then you die, and that's the end. But in the middle of all of this, and for those of you who have been here as we've tracked through this series, this passage is in the middle of a a section on singles and widows who are writing Paul and asking him questions. But what Deb read this morning are the hinge verses of this entire passage. Because you don't only live once. C.S. Lewis says, you have never seen a mere mortal. All of us will live somewhere, someday. We live not for today. We live not for this earthly life. But we live for a life that will, will outlive us somewhere, someday. Verse 26, Paul says, I think that in view of the present distress, the Corinthians were suffering. And I would say to you this morning that suffering is the norm for Christ followers, not the abnorm. That you and I, just because we follow Christ, are not exempt from suffering and pain. Scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust. Romans 8 verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. I consider. That word consider is not an emotional word at all. The word consider there is an accounting term. It means to take something and write it in the debit column or write it in the credit column. It means that you deem it to be so. And this morning you sing songs not because you necessarily feel what you are singing, but because you believe it. And there will be times in your life, and this is one of those times in our life as a church when we will sing 
what we believe and say what we believe because we have considered it to be true, not because we feel it to be true. We consider it. Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Why? Because you only live twice. You only live twice. Alec did not live for today. He didn't. Alec's faith was as real as anything and everything in his life. He was Alec Hensley at church. He was Alec Hensley at school. He was Alec Hensley at Bilo. You didn't wonder when you saw him which Alec you were going to see. He loved God at church. He loved God at camp, he loved God at school, and he loved God at Bilo, and he loved God at home. That's who he was. Marla was telling me, some of you high school students will be familiar with this, that this this was homecoming weekend, and Alec was on the homecoming king court and so when he was nominated to do that he saw on the court a kid who was nominated by the name of Avery and Avery is autistic and Alec decided that Avery should win and Marla said that Alec began this massive campaign to get everybody to vote for Avery And on Thursday night, sure enough, Avery won. And Marla said, Alec could not have been more thrilled that he ran over to, he was the first kid to go greet Avery when Avery won and to make sure that crown was right on his head and to congratulate him on his his winning the homecoming king. Why would Alec do that? Alec lived not for the moment. He lived not for those fleeting, glorious moments of a high school career. Those things that seem so critical when you're 17 and seem so minuscule when you're 37. Those things that you think matter so much when you're young and all eyes are on you, but then when you're older, you wonder why you ever thought those things mattered that much. Alec did not live for that. He lived in view of where eternity was. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says here in this passage, this is what I mean. The appointed time has grown very short. What does he mean by that? When he says the appointed time has grown very short. He is talking about the return of Christ. Now, this is what's important. And this is what we miss, most of us miss. 
basically three major periods in history you could have been born. Okay? The first period from the creation of Adam and Eve until the last words of the Old Testament. That period of time, and if you had been born during that time and you were a faithful Jew, you would live in anticipation of one event. And what would that event be? The Messiah. You would live looking forward to. Hebrews 11 gives us a list of these men and women who lived looking forward to the advent, the coming of the Messiah. That's how you would live. As a matter of fact, that's, that was the focus. And then you have 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Not a word is spoken. Everything goes quiet. There isn't the voice of God through a prophet. And people wait. Simeon and Anna were among those who were born in another group. And the second group are those people who were on the earth when Jesus came. You might could look at those people who saw the fulfillment of what all those people waited for. They saw it. Simeon said, I can die now. Anna said, this is what I've lived for in the temple. When Jesus is presented, they knew he was the Messiah and he served and ministered. But ultimately, everything in his life pointed to a cross. Everything he did pointed to dying on the cross for the sins. Past, present, future. And so if you had lived during that little tiny slice between Jesus' birth and his death, resurrection, ascension, you would have had some significant choices to make if you were a Jew or a Gentile. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, he ascended. And when he did, every person who's lived since if they are a follower of Christ live for one one event what is that his return as Christians we live for that we anticipate his return Trent and I were riding around yesterday, processing a little bit before his football game. And he said, Dad, days like today make me want to see Jesus so bad. And they do, do they not? Is there not part of you that says, oh, to be done with the worry and to be done with the suffering And to be done with the sorrow and all the pressures and all the pains, all of a sudden, days like yesterday and days like today cause us to remember that we live not for what was on our calendar yesterday and we live not for uh, this or that. Even as I sat and watched Trent play football yesterday, it was so unimportant, the outcome of that game. So unimportant. Right? 
Days like today and days like yesterday remind us of our place in history. We live in history, his story, not ours, his story. That's history. Just take it apart. History is his story, and we find ourselves in it. For some reason, God in his grace caused us to be born between the ascension and between the return, and we live and long for and anticipate the return of Christ Jesus in Matthew 24, 36 says, concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. It is a fixed point in history when Christ will come back. And the Father knows that. And we live between ascension of Jesus into heaven and Jesus looked at those forlorn, weary disciples who thought, you're leaving us. And he said, I am, but I'm coming back. In the way I left, you'll see me again. Our problem is we forget that. We forget where we are and what happens. That's what Paul is writing about. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time, that date is set. It is shortened by the ascension of Christ. All the Old Testament saints, what they anticipated has been realized. All the New Testament saints, everybody who comes to faith in Christ looks for this historical event. So, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And when you read that, you think, what? I mean, as a husband, I can just check out. No. Obviously, Paul doesn't mean that what does he mean he means in your marriage live as though you are headed to another place for another time and those who mourn as though they were not mourning paul isn't saying you shouldn't grieve no, no more than he's saying a, a man should not be a husband to his wife. He's not saying you should not cry, you should not grieve. Or those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Paul is saying when the good times come, you shouldn't enjoy that. You shouldn't enjoy those. Enjoy the good times. Or he goes on to say, and those who buy as though they had no goods. He's not saying, hey, we know Jesus Christ is coming back, so shut your business down. Don't go to work tomorrow. Just sit around and wait. That's not what he's saying. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. He's not saying everything changes and no longer are you engaged with the world. No longer are you doing business as you once did business. What does he mean? Here's what he means. Please hear me. Let me begin with you students. For Alec, yesterday, he was going to take the SAT so that he could go to college. The good news is that was never, though Alec was in the top 7% of his class at the high school, academics were never his ultimate. Though he was a gifted tennis player, playing tennis was never his ultimate. He did not live to make the grade. 
He did not live to play the sport. He did not live for the temporary rewards of high school success. He didn't do it. And what it means is that for some of you, you're tempted and you are living for the temporary rewards of a relationship, a possession or possessions, a position in your workplace, in the community, all of that. There's nothing wrong with relationships, nothing work with the, wrong with a good position at work, nothing wrong with great academics, nothing wrong with great athletic accomplishments. They are not ultimate. And if you live for them as ultimate, they will ultimately, ultimately leave you wanting That's why when Alec died yesterday morning about 6.30, he began to worship God as he's never worshipped him before. He began to sing songs. Oh, Alec loved to worship. He did. If we had a camp, he went. If the youth did something, he was there. And in this place on Sunday mornings, he would worship. As a matter of fact, the whole Hensley family had this running joke, and they said one day when I got in a big way of preaching, they were all just going to hoop and holler together as a family. They were a worshiping family. They are. And what Alec is doing now is worshiping God as he's never worshiped him before. He is seeing the face of God as he has never seen the face of God before. He is in the presence of Christ. He has seen his Savior face to face, the one for whom he lived, the one for whom he he played sports, the one for whom he worked academically. Alec is there. And it was so right for him that didn't strike him as strange to be in the presence of God. Oh, it's hard for us. It's great for him. Why? Paul says, for the present form of this world is passing away. Now, in this passage of Scripture, is interestingly enough, warning, it's encouragement wrapped in warning. For every unbeliever, it's a warning. There is an appointed time, you and I do not know when it is, and Christ who died for you will come back. That is a warning. 
It's what we believe as Christians. It's what we stake our lives on. That's the warning. And you have to process that and work through it. But you take off the warning. It's like the sour piece of candy that's wrapped in sour that encloses sweet and inside is the encouragement for every believer. What? Ah, The present pattern, way of this world is passing away. Aren't you glad? The present form of this world is passing away. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad this isn't all there is? Aren't you glad that the temporary pleasures here are not ultimate? Aren't you glad that the temporary accomplishments here are not final? For the unbeliever who says, ah, I don't want to hear this. I don't like the thought that there is this end to what I'm experiencing. For the believer, it's only a brand new beginning. The present form of this world is passing away. And we say, amen with John. Even so, come Lord Jesus We want to see you. We want to see our loved ones. We want to see you. How is that going to look? Paul answered that question posed by the Thessalonians. They were confused. And they wrote him and they asked him a question. And he answered it. And he said that this same Jesus would return, and so we will always be with the Lord. Here's the problem of the last 24 hours. Here's the problem. It's the problem for the Hensleys as I was with them this morning as they literally sat in that front parlor at Westmoreland and wept. Yesterday morning, they're always, which was Alec with their other children, abruptly and quickly became not now. Completely unexpected. They're always became not now. What 1 Thessalonians 4 says is this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And get this, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Don't miss this. And so we will always be with the Lord. Yesterday, the Hensleys and our, 
always abruptly became not now. When Jesus Christ returns, he will take all the not nows and turn them back into what? Always. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ returned? will undo everything that has been wrongly done. And all the separation, and even as you sit here now and think of your own family members that you would love to see, the always that became a not now, Jesus Christ will one day gloriously stare in the face and turn into always. Do you know what Paul told the Thessalonians to do with those words? Verse 18 of chapter 4, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. They help, don't they? I need to hear this this morning. Do you? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. I thought as we were singing that song, Jesus only Jesus. It says in the chorus, Holy King Almighty. It says, Saints and angels all adore. And when I, I, I saw the next line, I join with them and bow before Jesus, only Jesus. Do you know what Alec is doing now? He's worshiping. And when we were singing that song, I thought, we're joining him. We're worshiping too. And that's exactly what he'd want us to do. Amen? He'd want us to sing to the same God. Before we do that, I know there are a number of you who are students in this room who are close to Alec. And I want to say to you, beyond Alec's family, you are our number one priority right now at this church. We know this is hard. We know it's difficult to imagine your lives without him. We understand that you are hurting. Some of you are college students. Some of you are high school students. And we want to pray for you. We want to lift you up. And we will be. Tonight at youth, 
parents are invited to come to do that very thing and you are invited to be there. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Father, we lift up to you right now these students. They're hurt. They're pain. I pray for any of them who has not trusted you, Christ, as their Savior. Maybe from a distance they've wondered what made Alec different, why he lived the life and walked the walk. Why he defended Avery. Why he loved the least of these. Maybe they've wondered why he failed to draw attention to himself and pointed people, deflected attention away from himself. And Alec, who gave his life to Christ, kids camp here at Grace. could say Jesus only Jesus I pray that these teenagers and adults who are living ultimately for today or this week or some promotion or possession pleasure would find their ultimate joy satisfaction in a bleeding Savior who died on the cross for their sins who rose from the dead who ascended into heaven and who on the appointed day will come back I pray they would heed the warning. I pray for those who know you as Savior that they would receive the encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.